WCBN WCBN FM WCBN 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 FM WCBN 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 FM Ann Arbor. Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Welcome. And I'm so pleased to have in the studio with me today, Suzanne Buffon and Robert Fernandez. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here, you guys. And you're in town. um, I should say this is a taped program, um, February 23rd, 2012. um, And you're reading at the the Art Museum. um, And you're you're going to be reading from your books, um, Suzanne Buffon, The Irrationalist, and Robert Fernandez, uh, We Are Pharaoh. Um, And then... um, and that actually is um, the occasion for the King Tut song. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Robert, for titling your, your book this so oh, that we pleasure. could have a little... It's not often we start with Steve Martin uh, <laughs> in the program. Um, so before we go any further, I'll read uh, the, the short bios in the back of both of your books. Um, both published with Canarium Books, um, a, a press that I'm uh, very, very proud of. Um, and so maybe we can talk a little bit about Canarium uh, a little bit later on. Um, so first, Suzanne. Um, Suzanne Buffon was born and raised in Canada. Her previous collection of poetry, Past Imperfect, was published in 2005 by House of Anasi Press. Did I get that right? Close. Anasi. Anansi. 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 It's dangerously close to a Nazi press. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Well, okay. Well, what does it really mean? Because there must be a... So there's a, a trickster spider, the Anansi spider, that when the press was founded in the 60s, um, oh. was kind of in the ethos of the poets who founded this, that... Uh. Uh, literary mag- or journal uh, press, and maybe that spider was um, more in the the common. Um, it like, may have been more like in the common the more, lexicon. Yeah, well, it was were... the sixties. So, <laughs> so what was? <well>, yeah, <laughs> it was a free for all. No, okay. Let me continue on here, and and won the Gerald Lampart Memorial Award for the best first book of poetry published in Canada that year. She lives in Chicago and teaches at the University of Chicago. Um, all right. The House of Annecy. And Nancy. And Nancy. It's almost like a Nancy. No. Yeah, okay. it's tricky. Where am I going with that? We don't know. <gasps> Only up from here, right? Oh, now on yes. to, here we go. Um, Robert Fernandez, his book from um, Canarium Books, We Are Pharaoh. Robert Fernandez was born in 1980 in Hartford, Connecticut, and raised in South Florida. He is the recipient of fellowships from the Iowa Writers' Workshop and the University of Iowa Department of English. We Are Pharaoh is his first book. Um, well, thanks again, you guys, for being here. Um, oh, so 
have you been um, touring before reading f- together because both of the books are out with um, Canarium books or this is the first yeah, time this is the first time we will have read together That's I right. bailed out on the road trip through California yes I just had a baby and somehow <laughs> sleeping on other people's couches for a week in yes. and traveling in a van but lo- had time. lost its appeal <laughs> well, so first, so this is this the first time that this you're is the first time meeting each yes. other? No, we've oh, met, but this oh, okay. is the first time we're reading together. Reading yeah. together, okay. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. So it's happening here at Michigan, and then also in our studio here at the radio station. Mm-hmm. So this is a this bit is of our a first scoop. radio it show is. together. That <laughs> <laughs> too. A bunch of firsts. Uh, brilliant. Okay. Um, well, well, Suzanne, let's let's start with you and um, the Irrationalists. Um, I see that you've got the Emily Dickinson. <laughs> museum the the homestead and and the 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 evergreens like the the neighboring house so were you just in amherst uh i think i was i gave a reading in amherst this that was one of maybe the first readings i gave from this book um and it was at a little library just around the corner from her house and i took a tour through the museum and for good luck stuck the little Visitor pass sticker on the cover. On the, here. On the book. <laughs> it does seem like one of those things where you keep it's, it's like, like a, a touchstone. Talisman, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> there she is, and yep. she's here. And I and I can see why she might be um, maybe one of your in your family of poets or a he- mm-hmm. poet hero in your work. Um, is that true? Oh, or definitely. Like, <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that's flattering to hear. You even suggest it. Yeah, she's a bi- she's a big hero of mine. Oh, and and Robert. How how about you with Emily Dickinson? What's how Absolutely. is 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 it a lo- ongoing love affair? Indeed, indeed it is. Yeah, no, she's extraordinary. Yes. Okay. Um, why why do you believe that? Is it something that we have to say? Because I actually I love her too. Um, <laughs> so I I bring her up when I can. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, shout out to Emily. But yeah, what what is uh, for you? Is it just someone who was she someone you read when you were a a, a wee lad? Robert, or I actually came to Emily Dickinson a bit later. Um, I think Whitman's all in our own time. <laughs> song of myself, I read when when I was younger, um, and I mean that seems right to me because Dickinson's intelligence is thorny and uh, and muscular and <clears throat> and uh, requires a certain amount of I think maturity. Um, to really appreciate. Whereas, whereas Whitman, <laughs> whereas Whitman felt invited, just, sort mm-hmm. of, and bombarded, or yeah, you're just like sensually eddying, you know, and you don't have to worry about. Well, you, 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 there are things to worry about with Whitman, but <laughs> a little more relaxed, I think, mm-hmm. than Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Well, okay. Let's. So we we read a little bit about your your biographies now. So, um, so Canada. Oh, Canada, Suzanne. Yeah. Um, that, that's where you hearken from. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and where the, the, books, the book first found its, its placement, too, and your past imperfect, yeah. also with um, House of Anansi. Yeah. Yes. So um, what is it like now being sort of an expat uh, across the border? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're not far. I mean, Chicago, no. <laughs> granted, is... Yeah. A, a, well, the literary communities are quite separate to a large extent, and that was that was an interesting thing to discover. Um, growing up in Canada, um, I was l- largely unexposed to American contemporary American poetry, um, and we were just talking about this in the Q and A um, about like finding a voice or you know attaching to one's sensibility as a writer. And it took me a while, and I actually 
was useful to me as a writer in that process to move to the States and be exposed to a wider spectrum of tonalities um, and poets who were funny. Um, and not that there are not funny Canadian poets, but, but there, was, there was a kind of, I guess, a little bit more of a sense of earnestness regarding the lyric and um, formal approaches to the lyric when I was being educated in Canada, which is, you know, 20 years ago now. And that, would, um, and that was with the contemporary Canadian poets? or just Yeah, to a large extent, yeah. Too, or? Yeah, both, both, really. Um, at, anyway, at that time, there, I think that the shadow under which Canadian poetry was attempting to assert itself um, was more Briti- the lineage of British poetry, um, which is still largely m- more formal. And there are, of course, pockets of avant-garde British poets large ones and increasingly influential here, but less so at that time. Um, was humor a way into more the avant-garde, or, or how did you see it, or, or just was it that, oh, there's these different voices? Yeah, it was more just a you. matter of like realizing that, that there were different facets of one's sensibility or personality that could be expressed in poetry, that, that to me was a really liberating experience. Can you remember um, some of those people? I mean, not to put you on, the, or maybe you were just talking yeah. about some of this, but, no, the, but some of the... Like, I remember the first time I read Kenneth Koch was really a revelation to me, because um, he's happened? so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, just... The, he writes about things with a great deal of, um, like, reverence and sincerity, but he mock-ironizes his own tone just enough to do it, to do it without seeming sentimental. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I think I'm a deeply sentimental writer on some level but I'm also totally allergic to sentimentality in poetry. Well you take us to the shores of Normandy at, in in one of your poems <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which is uh, dramatic. Right. Um, but yeah. then I, if I'm recalling this correctly then you advise there's advice given which mm-hmm. then is funny as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Uh, to give advice if you're just uh, approaching Normandy at this time in history right. um, to, to swim on your back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, because yes. So anyway, so I could see how that would be. You, you're, you're, um, you're being, you're, you're right there with something that's that's terribly serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, your, your angle in on it mm-hmm. is not because then mm-hmm. you almost it's almost comical, except for mm-hmm. the fact that why you wouldn't be having your face in the water right. might be suggested, yeah. but you yeah. almost see someone doing something funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely that collision of the totally serious and the playful is something I'm really interested in finding a way in to talk about serious things in a way that I can live with and feel comfortable with you know that I'm I'm not being neither sentimental or ponderous I guess yes and do you ever um and Robert this is that we'll get I'm getting to you sir (laughs) Um, not at all (laughs) oh we will (laughs) But with the the humorous part, I mean, it's this balance, Suzanne, do you find, or, mm-hmm. or is it a balance? Mm-hmm. Um, because also if you're good at something, which I feel like you are with this um, this this humor or this coming at it and this, this odd, odd angle, is that, um, do you ever feel like there might be a danger that then, because that's something that you've got mm-hmm. that, that, and you see that... Um, because it allows you to get serious, but mm-hmm. then what if, 
what if it needs to be even more serious? Yeah. Does yeah. that make? I don't. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely am conscious of of trying uh, to keep as much tonal variety as I can, and that 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 if things are too funny then it begins to feel too much like a parlor game. Um, And that's usually a cue to go dark (laughs) for me. (laughs) And and, uh, Robert, what are the moments like, do you have a cue when you go dark? Or are you just already (laughs) eddying in the darkness? (laughs) To use one of your words Um, from earlier. Yeah, I I think humor is super important also, you know, and I I was, as you were, talking about this, I was thinking of just a bit of a different take on it. I was thinking of Elias Canetti who talks about when we watch, when we see someone trip and, and our response and, and laughter and why why is that, you know, and it um, has to do with sort of seeing someone off balance and vulnerable mm-hmm. in, a, in a sort of, um, you know, in a, in a manner in which someone might be out in the wilderness and uh, at the mercy of, mm-hmm. you know, um, a predatory beast or something like this. <laughs> Always <laughs> and funny. So, yeah, Always oh, well, funny. right, right, right. And so, I mean, there's some sort of primal recognition of mm-hmm. this, of this, um, of, of, of this foundering. Um, and, um, and so I, you know, I find that it's an ex- kind of an exquisite moment that mm-hmm. those, those moments of humor, um, and, um, you know, that, that lightness working in tandem with this, uh, with this vulnerability or this trauma or this potential for mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and also, it's just you know, it's just fun to to mash things together. And yes, <clears throat> which is something that you're you're using a lot of these collisions mm-hmm. in your work. That's something you're up up to. I would say that's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, you won't argue yet with no, me. I haven't, haven't got it terribly wrong just yet. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. Why don't we, we'll take a short break, then we'll come sure. back, and we'll hear some of the poems. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so you're listening to Living Writers today on WCBN. Um, we've got Suzanne Buffon here and Robert Fernandez. Um, thanks to Tex, who's engineering for us. Um, we'll be right back. Welcome back. 
You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm pleased to have with me here in the studio Suzanne Buffon and Robert Fernandez. Um, let's see. Thanks for being here, you guys. This is this is great. So we're going to hear some poems, um, but before we go um, to the poems, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about South Florida with you, Robert. Sure. Because um, that's actually, I grew up uh, oh, in yeah. South Florida, too. Maybe not as far south as you you did, because you, you mentioned Miami in one of your um, longer pieces that I, I yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Would you grow? Hope Sound. Oh, I don't so know. So north, north of West Palm by an hour. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so the um, north part Close of South Close enough. Florida. But yes, so, um, and now you've made the move to the, the Iowa, like to the Midwest, to the Midwest like yes. very, very different. But very different. Did it help you um, actually write more about what it was about South Florida? That yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I you know I, <clears throat> I found myself um, to return to this this question of sensibility and style, and you sort of realize what your, um, what your what resources are are at hand and. Um, what reservoirs you've you've stored up, um, oh, and um, and and I, you know I'd always um, I'd always found living in South Florida interesting and unique. Uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I didn't quite have the the sense of exactly the the level of imprinting that that took place, and so there was something of a reckoning with that um, in my in the work that I was attempting to do uh, as a graduate student in Iowa and that I've continued to do. Because when you, when you were there, uh, Robert, actually, was it um, almost like a resistance that was at work with being in? Because when you talk about imprinting, it's hard to know what's actually um, yeah, made its mark on us, isn't it? Mm. And then, um, and I think in some ways, South Florida, I, I was resisting it or I felt it was almost now this is going to sound awful to say, and I don't <laughs> truly mean it. At Florida and anyone listening in Florida, but like this, almost this anti-poem in a way, um, which is Florida. not true, of course. Yes, <laughs> and Campbell McGrath well, I mean, has written the Florida poems, and I was like, no. Oh, it's, it's so <laughs> it's so crucial to modernism. I mean, from Elizabeth Bishop to to Hart Crane to Wallace Stevens, of course. But the uh, growing up part, they yeah. they didn't necessarily grow up in Florida. That's true. They vacationed, and I think that's a very different yeah. thing. And as an outsider's perspective. Yeah. Rather than right. what surrounds you and absorbs you absorb into your self. I think that's true. Yeah, though uh, it was worked and reworked, and uh, not a yes. lot of people know too that Robert Frost actually had a house in Miami, which is interesting. Which I guess makes sense of that whole fight that Stevens and Frost mm -hmm. got into when they were when they were in Key West. Um, <laughs> oh. But okay, no, I mean I uh, that you know the anti poem Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, know, I already regret saying that. <laughs> um, it, it seems to me that, in, in addition to this 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 very extravagant um, landscape where you know things are um, at the mercy of the elements and yes. um, and there's a, a sense of sublimity um, that um, that it's also sort of um, a cross section or a, um, a coming together of multiple traditions, um, multiple cultures, multiple values. Um, uh, and that that p particular sort of coming together has a, a distinct resonance and, and a distinct style. Um, there, there are in fact multiple styles. Yeah, and I right, and I feel like um, I'm I'm certainly attuned to that. And um, and it seemed to me that the work as it was coming was emerging, at, like had had been affected, inflected by the by that rhythm of life down there, <laughs> by the life world and the by the cultural life. Yeah. 
In these intersections. Yep. Yes. Indeed. So I, I found it rather poetic. <laughs> <laughs> and even while you were there, growing up, you, you, that's lovely. Because I mean, I definitely feel that way now, but yeah, I'm not sure I was. What I hear what you're saying. It. I hear what you're saying. It was, you know, it's a difficult place to grow up. You know, to to be a kid, it's uh, um, it's like the Wild West. You know, and um, uh, there. I was, but you know, in, in another sense, that you sort of get a sense for what it's like to be alive and alert in globalized modernity, um, which is not always comfortable, which is in fact abrasive and uh, and overwhelming and, and uh, tacky and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> now we're all picturing pink flamingos. That's right. That's right. That's well, let's let's hear some poems, Robert. Would you mind reading one of one of the one of yours? I'd be happy to. Tell me down. We take stock of the forearms. They're like red snapper, slick and sharp. They're like glass. You see, I'm falling through my pleasure, like an intimacy of mirrors rubbing against the face, and you cannot uncut the stomach. It is a dye. Here is the heat, because we must begin. Red rainbow spread like a hawk's gills. Red rainbow tied off in its black holes, which dot the ceiling, because it is enough. A nurse raises her beak from my chest. All my vultures are warm and with gold discs for heads. All my vultures are form. Lord, find me. Who is another? Where is the flesh of gain? Venture and thighs of gold and living glass. I forget that I consented to wander, to wander by the pier. I consent that I wander and am like paper, a black kite wet with night. Grid, I am good, and like the eon, a child playing with colored balls. In the hall, because they know me, the young ones, the eternally. They see the stela in the flesh of my throat. They divine the throat rod and its glyphs. Bright to burn and nurse on cold, marrow-like light. It is midnight, and I am speed cut into thirds of day. I am threes everlasting and hells of foment. Then I stand like eternal resistance, like hell, no one who walks over this ground senses it is sound. Look again. We find ourselves on the shore, and the flame follows us. It flows through our speaking. It is here. I have failed again. I am no longer. I am failed. I am first to run aground. I am seen. Let us style vital light. New moon again, but I am light. We are not otherwise. We are seen. How shall I stand? How shall I be seen? The morning curled around us like warm, like... I'm classed by infinite waters. I'm seen. Thank you, Robert. So that feels like almost like this, like a manifesto of sorts. Like that. Huh. Um, or not. <laughs> um, and a landscape poem in its crazy way. Yes. <laughs> a landscape poem, yeah. I'll have to think about that. That's very interesting. Um, hmm. So, no comment at this point. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's also this um, the intensity of of this this seemingly very interior voice that's coming through, mm. and and maybe the rhythms of how the language is working and its insistence, but it's moving to it's sort of ratcheting through mm. many because um, hearing the part about the throat and then it, it's the 
the I don't uh, this the stem. It's like these pieces are coming back, even as they're kicking out really far. Mm. But this intensity of voice, mm -hmm. maybe that's this and idea. The declarative, I am, mm -hmm. I am, that has that kind of manifesto, like I guess. Echo. Right, right, certainly. Yes, yeah. and maybe, and I, I have to say, I love manifestos. So there was meant as like this, um, uh, th maybe a way of trying to understand you yes. as well here. Yes. Um, which I would also immediately want to resist if I were <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, so, and that seems like a poem that is one that you know deeply from, from the book. Is that why you, why did you choose to read that one? Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's sort of a pivot poem, actually. It's, I think it's the last poem that I wrote uh, in We Are Pharaoh, and it's a bit of a transition between um, the mode in which I was working uh, and, the, and the, the mode of my second book, uh, Pink Reef. Um, which will be out which next will be at, year? Uh, yes, that's right, in 2013, spring of 2013. Okay, Pink Reef. Pink Reef. Okay. So yet again, Florida. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. The repressed returns. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> and so, so that's one of the poems that, in timing-wise, you wrote later. That's right. And um, where where does it fall in the book, though, in the collection? Um, as it's in the it's in the second part of the book. Okay. Um, and um, am I thinking about that? Because um, you said it's a pivot. Yeah. Right, right. It is. It is a bit. And you know, if, I'd have to go back in and sort of look closely at at what the music is doing, both prior to that and after that and, and how it fits in and um, so I, I I don't exactly remember uh, so, so you're thinking <laughs> but how you were moving through uh -huh. like the co collection um, structuring it as, yeah. a, as a as an artifact or as its own animal yes, yes. Um, is more the the lyric of the poems uh, the rhythms within each like the sound so what yeah can you talk a little absolutely. bit about that yeah absolutely I mean ideally you know someone would would pick up this book and read it from cover to cover and have a a sense of its music in totality <laughs> um, and that is a lot to ask however um, so um, no but that yeah that is how I was thinking of um, of this book and if I'm you know listening uh, it's it's at the level of the book and the entire structure of the book and even in between books I mean I think that this is I mean I would actually like it if you know you read this and then read Pink Reef right on the heels of that mm -hmm. um, so and so that's what and you said I'm listening like that's something that's part yeah. of your process yes yes um, I think absolutely sort of that's a, a fundamental for me in the sense of not necessarily um, willing the work um, but um, listening for its structure and, um, you know, Maurice Blanchot has this, this um, great essay called Orpheus's Gaze, and um, um, if we're thinking of Eurydice as the poem, the only way that the poem emerges is if the poet turns away from her, and as soon as he turns back, it's gone. So there is this turning away that's a kind of withdrawal and a, and a listening that I think is, um, is basically what I try to do. And is that part of your, when you're actually um, starting to to write the poem, so way back? Because I know once you have this this book here too, it's been um, uh, it's been a while since you've been in these particular poems, whether it's in We Are Pharaoh or They're a Rationalist, where you've been 
in them. But when you're when you're making in the making the that first part, mm-hmm. um, for you, Robert, is it something where you're constantly working with everything aloud and you're saying it like it's so, or is the listening more? Uh, like something that you're you're talking about that's a quietness that isn't like necessarily the language allowed. Ah, uh, that's interesting. No, no, I mean I, I don't, um, you know, voice the poems if if that's what you're asking. Um, no, I don't. Um, yeah, it is a more sort of you know, moving more toward silencing myself, <laughs> um, and um, and you know, with the expectation that um, uh, you know, as in anything you that you come into a state of kind of um, attunement with whatever it is that may surface. Um, so yeah, there is a moving towards silence. So when you're, and when you're saying silencing yourself, it's that, that way of letting the poem uh, be. Like what makes it alive when it's out in front of you and you see it as something that's alive and in, it, mm. and, and in and of itself. And so the listening to that, is that what you mean? I think that's it, yeah. I mean... Um, I mean, of course, there's no guarantee, you know what I mean? You can t- turn away from the poem too soon and, uh, and it's lost, you know? And um, so the, the, there's an issue of timing, I think, and, um, and of course revision, you know? And none of this is um, like manna falling from heaven. Actually, writing my second book, it came pretty quickly. Um, that was like but the these manna. poems is a bit more difficult. <laughs> it's a bit like manna, yeah. In fact, oh nice that's, a, that's, a, that's a plug. That's a plug for the next book. Pink it's manna from heaven. <laughs> Canarian books <laughs> next year. Yeah. What about you, Suzanne? With this listening, is that something that's resonating with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, both the kind of quiet listening of of um, the removal of. I guess will or intention onto the work that kind of listening that's to some extent I think what you're talking yes. about um, but also I do read out loud I, and that is a part of my process too um, and I think a lot of what I listen for is pacing mm. you know and and where either if it's in the midst of writing a poem where I need to make a turn or even just like I know I need a word that is four syllables long uh, I don't know what it w- is, but I need that word to go here. And often, I you get at you know the ring of truth. You hear the ring of truth before you even have the words there, and then you find the sentence that fills that. And often, you stumble across some kind of truth um, by just listening to the incipient music that you're writing um, or hearing or trying to hear, or the pace or the cadence of it anyway. Which is wonderful because it wouldn't be that first thing that would have come to you necessarily that you're listening for Mm -hmm. it's something that's coming Mm -hmm. and there's some waiting yeah I mean often I I, a poem for me will just start with a turn of phrase or a bit of language and 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 then that sort of is like the I'm I'm poor in my language of music but you know the kind of bass note you know Mm -hmm. that then you modulate towards and away from um, in terms of sort of musical structure or pace. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a short break yeah. and then we'll come back and let's hear some, sure. Suzanne, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, you've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Um, today in the studio, Suzanne Buffalm is here, Robert Fernandez. Um, we'll be right back.
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Suzanne Buffon is here, Robert Fernandez. Um, Suzanne is going, has got The Irrationalist, her book, out with Canarium Press um, on the table before her. Um, and we've got Robert's book, We Are Pharaoh, here too. Uh, Suzanne. Would you would you give us some poems? Sure, I'll read a few of these very short poems that come from the middle section of the book. The section is called Little Commentaries, so they're just um, very short little commentaries on a real miscellany of topics. Um, so I'll start. Maybe I'll just read about four or five because they're very short. Could you when you um, was this sort of a freeing thing when you started these yeah. little commentaries? <laughs> could could you say a few words about that? Sh- sure. When you yeah, found I found this. Yeah, I was. Um, I had not written much for a long time. I just moved, full-time job, getting married. There's a lot of like encroaching things that prevented me from having time to write. And then I had a year of academic leave and spent the year in, in Oaxaca, in Mexico. And um, just to get myself kind of writing again, I thought I'd set the bar low and just ask of myself to write some short little things. And I'd had the title Little Commentaries in my head for a long time because it's the title of a little pamphlet that Copernicus like hand-stitched where he like lays out his heliocentric theory of the universe and I just thought it was such a lovely little humble title for such a kind of <laughs> the universe cosmologically <laughs> shattering <laughs> these treatise um, and so I, I just I wrote a two or three little commentaries and it started to uh, develop a head of steam and I wrote probably this was my manna moment where I probably wrote about anywhere between three and five or six poems a day um, and it, I was just reading all kinds of random books from the library and having all kinds of miscellaneous categories and thoughts um, and, and, and frames of reference and with the voice for that like hand. what sort of freedom if you're saying like little little commentaries um, I mean what sort of voice did you feel like because it's it's a pronouncing voice in some sense mm-hmm. right or mm-hmm. uh, not not yeah, in, not in any overbearing it's, sort of it's way slightly it's slightly like, mock didactic I guess in a little way um, that was also fun to write that like I'm going to give a little lesson on flags or valleys or whatever some there's some a little slightly instructional kind of tone to it that um tonally let me be wry or playful um and also because their poems not actually have to be true you know or accountable to verifiable i mean there's a lot of facts in them but um my hope was to always just surprise myself as quickly as possible and get out of the poem kind of get in, write a poem on any given topic, surprise myself, and exit quickly. Um, so you'll see the arc is pretty short in most of these. That would be great. Let's hear some. Okay. On attachment. A house burns all night in the middle of a field. A beautiful sight, even if the burning house does happen to be mine. Sooner or later, all burning houses will be mine or a very short one, on valleys. To be a valley, find a hill, and lie down at its feet. On clouds, to be a cloud, find a hill, and swallow it. On ghosts versus zombies. Soul without a body or body without a soul. Like choosing between an empty lake 
and the same empty lake. On flags. Few things are more stirring than a flag in the wind. A problem of aesthetics versus ethics. All morning I study a tea towel drying on the line. A flag without a country is like desire without an end. Maybe I'll just read two more. On invective, fuck you and the horse you rode in on is often just another way of saying come back. On Normandy, fate piles up on the bloody Norman shore. If you must swim there, swim on your back. Thank you. Robert was doing some Sorry. ghost clapping. Um, all right, so you said, um, thank you for reading those, um, all of them. Um, this idea about data, it doesn't have to be true mm. and I don't have to be accountable. <laughs> and, um, but, but they are true, right? <laughs> um, especially when you said the line, eventually all the house, all the burning houses will be my, right. yes. Yeah. So there's something about that that feels yeah. very true. Yeah. So, uh, but what's the what's the reckoning with that? Like that, of course, obviously, practically speaking, they won't all be yours. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you take it away. <laughs> what's um, this true? <laughs> well, a lot of them. That one, not necessarily in terms of um, starting with a negative fact, but some of them do, um, and um, then being able to slip into a more lyrical or philosophical space. And they're they're very like philosophical poems, but I guess I. And by calling the book The Irrationalist, I kind of gave myself carte blanche to not have them cohere into any sort of arching philosophical system of beliefs. Smart. <laughs> so they're totally unsystematic and probably contradictory. And probably had to be. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's what you're... Um, so, so this idea of... Because it's, it's sort of this trueness, though, is, yeah. is almost... Um, it's hard to talk about in a way because what you're because when you're at play or at heart at hard work or so there's um you're you're gonna be pointing to things that are are true but saying things that um asserting things that sound untrue but that are actually what at bottom feel like the real truth mm -hmm. So to go back to that burning houses thing, mm -hmm. obviously all the houses that are burning won't be yours, but there's something about that moment when um, the poem says it mm -hmm. that it seems like, of course. Yeah. yeah. So why? What do you think about that? What do you think, Robert? Like with the this true trueness? Um, I think that's well said, um, and yeah, I think that the I mean poetic truth operates according to a different logic um, and and um, and I'm not going to define poetic truth for us right here <laughs> now <laughs> but um, but no I think you I, I mean, mean we do I, have some it, time <laughs> <laughs> sort of chip well away said, at it I think. so um, um, I don't know maybe how do um, you feel <laughs> yeah no, what somewhere I just read uh, who was it who said that like poetry's job isn't to um, you know to write wisdom but to dismantle wisdom um, and that seems kind of an interesting approach to 
wisdom poetry or or wisdom <laughs> at all <laughs> um, that that yeah that that the poet can actually take a much more yeah um, subversive and dismantling approach. That seems like something that to that receive we, truths or wisdoms. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it's almost like it's it's. Um, but to say it is to instantly not want. Like I was going to say, it seems like a mandate for poets. That that's <laughs> what you you mm-hmm. that that must be part mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that felt like there was definitely a, a kind of there's an ap- epigrammatic or aphoristic kind of form that these operate in. That's certainly a form of kind of wisdom, you know, the aphoristic wisdom poem um, that they're engaged with and hoping, hopefully... To subvert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the same time as maybe also flirting with the idea of stumbling onto something wise, but not not setting out to be wise, you know, and to um, rather setting out to be uh, a little bit sillier. To study a tea cloth on the line. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, wonderful. Well, Suzanne, is there another poem that you'd like to read read in there? Well, speaking of wisdom, I could read a poem called The Wise Man. Oh, right. It's a prose poem that follows right on the heels of all those little commentaries. I am not a wise man. This makes my life difficult in certain ways. But in other ways, it simplifies things. I find it hard to sit still very long before I get up and wander the halls in my hat, for example. On the other hand, I stay warm and keep moving. Could these ways be the same way? A wise man could tell you. A wise man would look out his window and see not a row of low clouds rolling east like a trainload of coal through a crossroads, but a lit glimpse of the infinite, the wise man's only home. A wise man might think of his childhood and smile. Often, in a quandary, I ask myself, what would a wise man do? A fool sees not the same tree that a wise man sees, said a wise man. And when I look out at the spruce, I wonder what a wise man sees. A wise man might laugh at such questions. As for me, I laugh often, but I don't get the joke. Thank you, Suzanne. And that was from The Irrationalist, um, out with Canarium Books. Let's see. Uh, let's take a short break, and then we'll come back. And then, Robert, will you be um, ready with a poem for us? Another from maybe we'll hear um, another from We Are Pharaoh, and then move to the the new poems from Pink Reef, and then and Suzanne, some of uh, your sure. your new poems. You're listening to Living Writers. You you've got the plan. So be back with us in just just a quick minute.
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today Suzanne Buffam is here, Robert Fernandez. Um, we are going to hear another poem from We Are Pharaoh um, uh, right now. Well, which one is it to be, Robert? Uh, this is Trophies. One. How can we accommodate these reforms? The nights of bellflowers are as finished as the hell of water that has unrolled and become news. Pull at the ox's ring and the wall of the sinuses falls down. Pull at the hoop in the eyelid. Dormitories are felled. A marriage of fists and kites. The smile is hammered so painstakingly into the gut it forms a ring. Two. I'm staring up at a boxing match in which white everlasts and red everlasts take on the breakneck speed of cupids. Art deco facades hem in the open air courtyard. A black belt of skyline circles off their incandescent white wastes. The sunrise pulls level with the sea. The boxers' shadows furl and unfurl, drawing into cups. Three. You open your heart's wings like a bread riot, split the uncooked potatoes on the table with a glance, and eat. You make the hours work like fragile perceptions for the food they get, the warmth they get, for the variable, contradictory spontaneities imposed on their bodies as love or triumph in mistaken assertions. Thanks, Robert. So the... Um, bit of deco for you. <laughs> and I, I did... Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, there was a line um, towards. Can you can you get back to it quickly, sure. Robert? Uh, um, about there was uh, like a. Okay, what was it? Like a bread basket? Where? You open your heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where 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 is it exactly on the page there? The um, yeah. You open your heart's wings like a bread riot. <laughs> so when something like when that's when you're. So are you following the music like like a bread riot? Can you say something about that for a moment? <laughs> I, 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 you know, you're probably thinking of all things T, why did you but but that is like it's this 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 moment mm. that that shakes loose in such a wonderful way. So how do you how do you find that bread riot? Thank you. Yeah, no, um uh, I mean it certainly I don't remember to be exact, <laughs> but um but yeah, there's a kind of, I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, things that sound right or feel right, um, there, there's something for me in, you know, in a line that's nonsensical and that's uh, uh, nothing in the real world would have a correlate for necessarily, and yet which um, resonates in a way for me, at least, that um, seems accurate. Um, it's that truth again, mm -hmm. that uh, true maybe. trueness, right? <laughs> Truthiness. True. Oh, right. <laughs> a little shout out to Colbert. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah but it, and how do you? Because if you had to defend that, um, uh, and that would be like the dark side of like a workshop, or even if people had good intentions or so, but they're like, I just don't get the bread riot, or yeah. you know, or mm -hmm. so. And and but to you, you're like, no, there's this trueness about it that you, you just know. Yeah, I mean, it, right. So there's a, there's an element of risk there, I think, where there's there's no guarantee that this is going to communicate, um, f you know, f to one to a single person, much less to you know any number of people that that read a book like this. So I suppose that's a risk, and I mean, it's in, I can't substantiate it, you know. And so there's, a, there's an element of risk. And it's, but it's and it's what you must do to actually. Um 
be a poet. I, I think that's true. I mean, we're, we're not talking about... Um, or to you know, write a poem. Yeah. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the risk of um, getting your hand cut off in an industrial saw <laughs> or something like this, um, or any of the various, you know, imperiling risks. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, that, that element of exposure, of, of, of risk of sort of trusting the language and venturing out into it um, is, I, I think without that, you're, you're, you're willing the work and it's not, you know, it's not telling you what it wants. Yeah, that thing of its itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could we hear some of the, are you going, is this Pink Grief? This then, is Pink Grief, yeah. I can, I can read a few from this. Um, Pink Reef is um, is a long lyric sequence. The poems are un untitled, um, or they're titled by asterisks. Um, and this this for me reads it's different from uh, We Are Pharaoh in that um, the lines are much shorter and um, and and the line breaks are thornier. It's just a very different book, um, but it reads together as a a single book so from Pink Reef. Black beads of sweat rain down. Beads stop the drilling. Droplets of unyielding ore. Black droplets of sweat rain down on houses, on the fur of sweat-drenched Dobermans. Glossy black drops water the eyes. The teeth fold dull lead. A spray of black droplets from the mouth is ink and leathered lion. The table set, blood ruptures cloth speakers. The oxtail broth settles, sunrise ice, no colorless ice or cloth dot that crushes sundown's multi-beaked array. Dusty black macaw for dinner. Black foam from cloth speakers, black foam bright sand from cloth speakers. I'm trying to understand what soft taste is this. Teriyaki. Chanel, don't make me laugh, I'm trying to die. I'm trying to drive while the windows caked in ice and the pink birthday cake of our deaths sputters donias, donias of spine-spread sun, of row-packed spine, of bleeding Nero's running through crowds of donias. Donias are bleeding shall be heard, but first we break the back, first pack the ribs with eggs. Thank you. So how how is that when you're making these are they um so when are you when are you breaking because it almost feels like they're uh, like you're saying you say it reads as one poem like it mm. is it, it's it's a book like that's but there there are you know it's using the white space of the page um so there's these breaks these um enforced pauses um so when they were coming to you were they coming to you in these these movements and then that reflected the breaks that are there or how yeah they came in blocks I mean you know five blocks of five ten fifteen um, and they were certainly as the Pojack Spicer would say echoing uh, against one another um, <clears throat> and uh, any momentum that they had was sort of in this very swift, swift rush of composition which referring back and forward and um, um, and then those blocks were assembled together. I mean, I thought of them as fairly continuous. Um, absolutely continuous, actually. Um, right, so it almost seemed difficult for you to find, like, which place you wanted to s start and then to stop, because it felt dis disruptive, I think, to you with the idea of it. 
Yeah, it, it, it was a matter of, um, I mean, I, the, the, I, it's, it's a strange question, I, not your question, but for me, it's the question of, you know, how do these function as individual poems? I mean, I, I think that they, they, they need, this book in particular, need, these poems need one another, though I, I'm, I'm obviously firmly behind each one of them as individual poems. <laughs> um, and um, so they look like individual poems, but they're, they're not. There's, you know, there's the, there's the crowd that's necessary. Yeah, they're most truly themselves if it's, it's, yeah, that's it's right. with their, their, their neighbors and with... Um, and how, how, what, how did you find Pink Reef as like this unifying, like our way into them? The title? Yes. Ah. Well, I think that was... That would have been a clear question, right? Mm -hmm. Now, why the title? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, going back to, to humor, like, I mean, I, it came to me and it sort of made me laugh, you know what I mean? And it seemed like, it seemed... It, but it also seemed right, you know, and um, it had a kind of, I don't know, insouciance or something. And a reef is kind of a mass of yeah, living exactly, organisms, Yeah, exactly, right? precisely, that's right. That, that seemed, I think it, that reads, too. The kind of clusters of creatures along the reef seems kind of to be playing I think that that's absolutely right, there. yeah. And the pink, you had pink. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it there's, like there's row, and I mean, there's, A lot you know, of pink. <laughs> a lot of pink, a lot There's of something fleshy. A lot of reefiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without a mm -hmm. doubt. And reefiness. And, and fleshiness. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and to add to the truthiness. Right. right. But yeah, what is, I, I don't know that much about a reef, but it's like sort it's, of one It's almost one continuous organism, organism but, but individuated. conglomeration That's of, right. yeah sort of the condo in Florida totally, model. Totally, totally. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what these poems have to be. Like, mm. Little condominiums. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, this is wonderful. Mm. Okay. So, <laughs> now, so now we're really, everyone's looking. So so we've got on the table here from Robert Fernandez, um, We Are Pharaoh, and then soon to, to be Pink Reef, both from Canarium Books. Yes. Right. So Suzanne, mm -hmm. um, new poems from you what what mm -hmm. have you brought with with you today like what um, uh, well pretty much I've been writing exclusively these lists that um, again started out I wasn't quite sure what to do with them so I, I've just been writing more and more lists and thinking about the, the concept of categories and, and how many disparate things can fit under the heading of a single category um, and so, and so, so what? Let's hear a couple. Yeah, and, sure. And, and the parade, like, sure. Yeah. Um, things that also a little bit informed by um, like Japanese, like pillow book listing, um, just kind of organizing the war things in the world. So I'll start with um, this. This list heading was taken actually straight from the Shonigan um, pillow book. Things that have lost their power. Wonderful. Breast implants. <laughs> Body counts. Variable pentameter, doctor's notes, standing ovations, the League of Nations, the United Nations, nations, polio, priests, pennies, theories of power, things that will never lose their power, hemorrhoids, hurricanes, Puppies, flags, gossip, vodka, windmills, 
worms. Okay, and I can give you one more. Let's see. Um, Windmills and worms. <laughs> Lovely. Um, I'll read you maybe impossible. To conquer Prussia. To see Paul Clay's complete works. To taste the word apple. To ride the Trojan horse. To sleep through meatballs. <laughs> to stay awake through Swan Lake. To relax with a traffic cop. To wind a lost watch. To summer in Paris without stepping in. To eat a happy meal without feeling depressed. To fish the sea of tranquility. To film a dream. To weigh a shadow. To surprise a fire. Thank you, Suzanne. Well, well, you guys, thanks so much for being here today. This was wonderful. Um, I really thank you for having us. Uh, well, you're welcome anytime, Robert and Suzanne. And, um, and thanks for thanks for bringing your books and bringing new poems for us to hear. Um, it's like a, a living writer's scoop. Um, and so, um, we'll just I'll just look forward to the next conversation with both of you. Um, so, we'll have. We've had poems from Robert Fernandez, um, We Are Pharaoh, and the soon-to-come next year, Pink Reef, and from Suzanne Buffon's um, The Irrationalist. And does that, that collection no real have a working title, title at yet? The moment, yeah. Okay. But stay tuned mm -hmm. for some more <laughs> lists. Um, thanks for listening wherever you are. Thanks again to Text for Engineering. Um, you've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. More bad weather on the way Listening to 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and this is the Daily Sports Report. I'm your host, Mike Lewandowski. Uh, if you've listened to the DSR for the past six years, about uh, starting in, in the fall of uh, 2010, 
Uh, you probably heard me uh, once or twice, uh, but over the last couple of years, not so much. Uh, the reason you're hearing me again is because uh, the guys who are still here uh, mastering the uh, the art of sports radio at WCBN uh, are on spring break this week. Uh, the sports department uh, almost entirely composed of, uh, of students who wanted to get away and have a great time and, uh, you know, go have fun in Florida or Alabama or wherever anyone is going uh, these days. And so I'm back just to take over for uh, this one day. Uh, might be the only DSR that you get uh, this week, uh, unfortunately, but the guys will be back uh, to talk more Michigan sports and national sports uh, with you and uh, as soon as spring break is over and they all come back to uh, the, the cold, but not too cold, Ann Arbor to finish up the year. Um, if you did listen to uh, to shows hosted uh, by me or that I was on or shows that I did by myself back when I was a regular member of the sports department.